Welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Milan Tasevsky, a board game designer and founder of Arcona Games. Milan has launched 10 Kickstarter campaigns since 2015, and his newest project, Pest, is currently live on Kickstarter. Milan, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Uh, thank you, James, for the invitation. I'm doing great. It's great to be here. And hopefully I got the name right. I don't know. We just yeah, practiced yeah. it right before we went on air. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so uh, so first of all, where are you joining us from? So obviously you're not here in Canada. So where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm from, from Macedonia, Skopje to be exact, the capital city of Macedonia. Uh, yeah. So if you, I think you most most people don't know where Macedonia is located, but it's right above Greece. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 yeah it's that, a small country. And yeah. And, and in, in the intro, I mentioned that you've done 10 campaigns. So you've, you've obviously been doing this for a while, uh, 2015. So I guess we're seven years in now. That's actually quite a number of campaigns in that's more than one a year. So that's actually quite a lot. Eh? It's been pretty busy for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we launched uh, the first campaign for, my first game, then my first official game uh, board game design that I did, Small Star Empires. Uh, we launched that in 2015, around March, I believe. Um, and since then, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. Um, so, uh, let, yeah, a lot of campaigns, and uh, it's been a fun ride so far. So, yeah. And and where did this all begin? Like, we're and often when I'm talking to designers or even publishers. Uh, most of them didn't start in board games out of school. Uh, most of them were doing something else as a career and they kind of somehow got into it. What were you doing before board games? Um, so for me, at least games were, you know, like a big passion and big part of my life since childhood. So, yeah. um, you know, I remember my, my father, uh, he traveled a lot. Uh, he, ha he has a karate club and, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, participating in all those tournaments around Europe. Um, and when he traveled, when he came back, sometimes he, you know, he he would just bring some uh, board game, like battleships or I don't know Monopoly or that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, I've kind of, you know, like uh, played games since since childhood, like board games and everything. Uh, then of course video games, uh, and I don't know, it has been a big part of my life uh, since I was a child, and then. I, you know, after a while, I just started thinking about what if I do my own game, you know, um, I, that was maybe 10 to 15 years ago. So uh, I've dabbled into game design, you know, like a hobby uh, before this. Um, then I went to work to uh, on in a, uh, a video game company here in, mm. in Skopje. Uh, I, I was game designer there for a year, uh, but you know, that was right before actually we started Arcona Games. So, uh, you know, after a year, I realized that I just want to, you know, do my own games, publish my own games and everything. So that's how, you know, uh, everything around uh, Small Star Empires came to be. And uh, we pursued with Kickstarter and the rest is history. <laughs> now, it's, it's interesting. I think you're probably either the fourth or fifth guest I've talked to that was in the, uh, the video game industry right designing on the video game side and then uh moved over into what i call the analog or the you know more yeah. the tactile gaming 
Um, was it a big leap for you or is it something where, um, like, was it an escape? Did you find, uh, doing the board games from the digital world? Cause I know often people that are in front of computers all day, the last thing that they want to do when they get home is get on a computer. Uh, yeah. or what was it to kind of bridge that? Or was it, was it, did you see that almost like a stepping stone to get you into the board game industry? Yeah, well, so, uh, to be honest, I think that, uh, you know, I was more into board games. I mean, during my entire life, I'm more into board games than video games. Yeah. So when I worked for that company, you know, for a year, I just realized that you, I, I love video games. Don't get me wrong. But uh, and I love working on them. Uh, but at that, that time, you know, my passion was bigger for board games. So uh, it wasn't very it wasn't, you know, like a very difficult choice for me to do. I just, you know, went ahead and, and you know, switched switched over actually switched back to board games because before uh, working for that company, I, you know, as I said, I did some designs myself uh, before working, working there. So yeah, it's, it was no brainer for me. Definitely. How was that struggle when you first started out? Cause most people it's uh, it, it's a huge learning curve, <laughs> right? Um, you know, going from design to actually publishing to then Kickstarter, which is another beast on its own. Yeah. How, what was that learning curve like for you? Uh, I think uh, it has, at least for me, in my experience, it has something to do with my, you know, like my, my personality and how I actually do some things in my life. So, for example, um, back then I was, you know, like um, really, let's say, shy to show my designs or, you know, my ideas to people and everything, you know, to to actually get someone to try whatever I was working on um so you know you know what can you expect people are gonna like it or not you're mostly afraid that you're they're not gonna like it right and uh, so I, I guess like i've learned from that experience that it's better to share with people you know as much yeah. as possible at least your close uh, close ones your friends your family so you can just you know as a designer at least when you're a young designer you don't you don't have to be afraid you know to share uh, what you what you've worked on uh, with those people, and it will give you a bit more, you know, uh, it will loosen you up, I think, uh, in your you know next uh, projects that you want to work on or whatever. So, yeah, that's interesting, yeah. actually, because often when I talk to uh, designers, especially early in their in their careers, they'll say, "Well, you know, I was afraid to share my design." Not because I was afraid of what people would think of me, which is what, what we're talking about here, but yeah. more along the lines of, I'm afraid somebody's going to steal my idea. And it's very, very rare that somebody's going to steal your idea. Most board games are combinations and permutations of games that came before them, where people take an idea from over here, an idea over here, combine them, create something cool, and then wrap it in a cool theme. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many themes. It's like, okay, you know, guess what? Pirates is not an original idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are so many pirate games, uh, right? Yeah, Space yeah, is not yeah. unique, right? So yeah, um, there, there's going to be some duplication there. Um, and, and the advice for most people in the industry is don't be afraid to share. No one's going to steal your idea. And you will gain way more from sharing than you will lose. Exactly. Um, you know, either by building early community, getting early buy-in, getting great advice from people. They're going to, you know, maybe point out some things that you didn't see. Um, you know, exactly. that all is part of that development process. And the more you can kind of open yourself up, yeah. the better you're going to be overall, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think 
let, I'm talking about me, for example, I'm, I think yeah. I'm a work in progress still on that part because um, I often find myself like, yeah, even, you know, with all the experience that I have so far as a publisher and as a designer, I still struggle with it sometimes. So, you know, I just, sometimes I'm just, you know, like, okay, why are you, why are you afraid to share this with someone, with people, you know, like just yeah. do it and just sit down, play a game, have fun, you know, and learn something along the way. So. Yeah, I re just this past weekend, I was at uh, the Toronto uh, Proto Spiel. It was mm -hmm. put on by Joe Slack. And uh, it was interesting. We were showcasing a game that we feel is probably 97% there. And there was a wide swath of people. So day one, I had a lot of um, hardcore gamer designers that were playtesting the game. Yeah. And they cut deep <laughs> right when they give you feedback you know they, they they go in deep and uh you know i think it is an evolution because i know myself four years ago would have seen that interaction very differently than i did this past weekend yeah. right and this past yeah. weekend was very much listen taking notes and it's like you know what i'm just going to get it down on paper now and i'm going to i'm going to think on it and then the next day we play tested and some of those things from the day before came up in a different way, but thematically what the people were talking about was kind of the same thing. And yeah. so, you know, it's important to kind of get these different pockets and expose yourself to people. Right. And I tell you, getting other game designers to review your game, it doesn't get more exposed than that. Right. Because yeah. they're not exactly. shy. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And yeah, I think, uh, and as you said, you you just you know sit down and try to uh, to work around you know what feedback you are going to you you have received so far. Um, but I I'm you know I'm talking with my developers always that uh, you know sometimes you know people give and I don't mean to be rude here, but sometimes people people can give meaningless feedback about something, sure. right? So if for example you know some part of the game is uh, you know, how you intended and everything and you like it and someone says, no, that's not good or whatever. So you just, you have to be a little bit thick skinned on, you know, with feedback and everything, but yeah, always take, take it as a constructive criticism and then, you know, uh, see what you can use from that, I guess. Yeah. There's two things that came out of that for me. So one was, I think a, if you hear the same thing come up from multiple people mm -hmm. who are playing the game at different times, so they're not interacting with each other you hundred percent have to listen to that, right? Yeah, you yeah. got to listen to that. You got, yeah. and you got to internalize and say, okay, is there something here we need to address? Because if I'm yep. hearing it from multiple people, that's a gift, right? That is a gift to you that that feedback has um, brought something to your attention that you didn't have before. So that's good. For me, I find where I used to run into that kind of feedback in the past where someone would like say shred a game that I was working on. And I'd say, well, and afterwards I think on, I'd be like, well, you know, you know, they, they hammered home the fact they didn't like the dice. There was dice in the game and, you know, just absolutely crapped all over that. And what I found was it's important to set up the game at the beginning, the type of game it is. Yeah. Right. So for my company, we do more uh, gateway type games, casual games. Our company tenants are, um, you know, you have to be able to play the game in under an hour. You have to be able to explain it in five minutes or less. And people have to be able to, to win this game on their first play, have a chance of winning on, on their first play. Yeah. Those are the three core tenets of our, of our company and all the games we create are within that. So what I did this time around is, as I, I, I prep people, I'd say, okay, before we start, 
here's the type of game this is, right? Yeah. It's, it's a Euro, but it's a light Euro. Uh, there's dice in the game. We love the dice. They're there purposefully. We're not changing dice, just to let you know. So if you hate dice, you might not even want to play test this because you're going to come in kind of jaded. So kind of setting the table, so to speak, so that they know, okay, I, I get what this guy's trying yeah. to create here. Because if you don't do that, people will naturally start trying to turn your game into something that they want to play. They'll try to turn yeah. to their yeah. into their game, right? So yeah. those are things that I think that we're all kind of learning each each time around to, to figure out how to how do I approach this a little bit differently to ultimately yeah. call out uh, the best possible information from the people you're interacting with so that you can improve what you're creating, right? Yeah. Exactly. And one of, yeah, a similar point to this is that not all people like all games, right? So if yeah. you have a card game and you have it, uh, you know, a, someone that playtest that someone that doesn't like card games, then what kind of feedback you're going to get from them, right? Yeah. You know, I don't think it will be that useful feedback. There's two genres so, I can think of like that. Yeah. One is take that, right? So any kind of take that mechanic, there's certain people that absolutely hate sure. anything that's take that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, co-op is the other one I would say that fall in that camp, right? And I'm one of those guys. I'm not a big fan of co-op games. Um, yeah. you know, but I, I, I think that it's, it's like beer, right? People say they don't like beer. They haven't tried every beer. So you, you never know. Yeah. One out there that you actually like. <laughs> exactly. So this idea for pest, where did this come from? How did you guys come up with this? idea? It, it's super cool, right? I'm going to, on my screen for people who are watching on the replay or live, I'm going to, I'm going to show some of the imagery here super cool artwork i mean it it it, it sucks you in right away where'd the idea come from and i'm hoping you're not gonna say COVID 19 but you might say COVID 19. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh it's no not it's not COVID 19 actually so uh we are just the publisher of the game and the developers of the game are right. games so uh the designers are coming from germany kai stark and thomas nielsen um uh, just want to say a quick hi to them uh and uh, they had the uh, they pitched me this game uh, even before COVID. I think it was one or two years before COVID actually started. So um, at that time we did some other projects, I think, uh, and we we're kind of busy with those projects. So I just you know I, I immediately liked uh, their prototype. Uh, I really liked what it did um, for for me. So you know I just signed it immediately, and then I said, guys, look, uh, it's gonna take a while probably to get this one out uh, because you know. I had this vision of a, a bit bigger game that, that they had, like the prototype, um, a bit more immersive world, a bit, you know, yeah. uh, good theme connected with the, with the game mechanics themselves. So, um, and yeah, we worked on it quite, uh, you know, uh, for, for quite a while. I, I think it was year or year and a half, uh, before the Kickstarter. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think as a review is watching from uh, rattle runs through, or his kind of final thoughts, he was saying like, this This is a huge game, not just immersive in terms of gameplay, but physically it's it's a huge game. Like it takes up yeah. the entire table, right? There's a lot of stuff yeah. there. Um, when you're developing uh, this game, how much thought did you put into that? Like, because you, know, you, you kind of have the two sides, right? One is how do I make sure it's fit on you know most tables? But on the other side, you want to make sure that you're you're pulling people into that immersive world. And one great way to do that is actually to have the world kind of playing yeah, in front of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go back a bit with the feedback part sure. uh, that we talked about. So <laughs> actually, one of the feedback that we received about the game is yeah that the main board is you know quite large, uh, and uh, this is one one thing that as you mentioned uh, we listened uh, you know we we heard from a lot of people. 
and um, actually we're going to down you know downsize the board a bit and we did the, like uh, we did split the it to make it more modular so people can set it up on you know uh, on their own terms on in their own space at home or wherever they play so uh, that's something that we actually you know heard from people a lot and then we we implemented that feedback uh, but I'm gonna get back to your question about the you know uh, the game uh, I think we set when we set out to create the product we wanted to create them like a massive world uh, yeah. you know not just uh, not just with story you know with the story and theme but with also with uh, with the table presence yeah. and uh, uh, we had like we, we showcased best at Essen uh, this year uh, when I, when most people came to the to the booth to see the game they were like oh my god this looks really you know really good because it's huge table presence everything looks really well uh, the theme is re very well you know represented uh, on with the artwork uh, we have the capital city miniature which is in the middle of the board which kind of like uh, you know give this centerpiece moment of the game uh, and i think i think we've done a really good job around that so i'm really really happy with the results uh, on that yeah, it looks super cool. And I, I think I'd be remiss to not say first congratulations. I mean, you guys thank you, thank you. are doing so very much. well in this campaign. I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars because it's quite frankly the only way I can see it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you're at $137,000 on a goal of 41000 So obviously smashed that goal. Uh, you still yeah. got 16 days to go. Um, so this is obviously going to, not only is it started strong, but it's it's clearly going to end strong i think this is probably going to be your biggest game i think if i'm looking at your portfolio is this got exactly. it's got to be the biggest one right yeah 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 in all all terms and you know uh, around the company it will be the biggest game as a product and as a kickstarter as well so yeah. i think i hope at, at least you know by the end uh at, for example the previous kickstarter was ended up around 2000 backers so i think this will yeah probably go a little bit higher than that yeah i was looking through your portfolio i mean you guys got a good batting average the, i mean you guys have have done well on most of your campaigns uh so congrats on that too you've obviously figured out kind of the formula uh, for uh, for building these out. And it does get very formulaic, right? Uh, when you talk about Kickstarter, there are certain things that if you do them yeah. uh, consistently, you should see certain results, right? Obviously, yeah. timing of when you launch and other games that are on Kickstarter and you know the type of game you're putting forward, those all contribute to um, as success factors. But but certainly there's things you can do to kind of ensure that at least you're, uh, you're, you're coming out uh, pretty strong. Can you explain kind of the, the gist of how this game, what this, how you play this game? What is this game? Um, so in past, you are the leader of one of the great houses of uh, an empire, which is unfortunately been struck by a devastating plague. And uh, what you're trying to do is uh, you're uh, going to go around, send your plague doctor, uh, try to gather sick people around the board. Uh, put them put them in your quarantine in your city so you can later you know use all the actions uh, that are available to heal those people uh, employ them in your city to work uh, maybe send them as diplomats to the capital city that big miniature in the middle of the board um, and uh, all of this is done to you know uh, try to kind of save the people save the empire you know rebuild the empire the infrastructure the infrastructure um, uh, also you want to there are like these agenda cards that we have on the on the side of the board. Uh, there are like public objectives set forth by the council. So you're also going to try to, you know, uh, complete them as much as possible. And uh, I would say it's, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, gameplay, 
mechanics, if, uh, I would say is a Euro game with uh, worker placement and action selection mechanic. Um, you know, the grid that we have on the on the player board, that was something that really re I really liked with the, you know, in the prototype of the of the designers. And uh, the, that was, you know, something that we kept like that's that's the core mechanism of the game. So yeah. actually, when you when you put a when you put a, uh, you know, a worker on one of the spaces on the grid, you trigger two actions. And that's really, really interesting to play out because each turn you play out like a uh, you have to solve like a tiny puzzle what to do for your turn and how to maximize your your efforts yeah i'm gonna hone in on that a little bit because uh, i i saw that mentioned by a lot of the the reviewers thought that that was really cool uh so for people who are listening imagine like a tic-tac-toe board um where you've got a three by three grid and along the rows you have certain actions and along the columns you have certain actions and you're essentially placing your 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 worker in one of those squares so it's it's triggering whatever um, row that square is in at the same time as the column that that square is in, and then those two actions are are what your actions are for that round. It's super cool and uh, definitely innovative. I would say a lot of people really thought that that was it was cool, and it's it's neat when you can do that, right? When you can have a game that's kind of got this new kind of mechanic that's kind of doing things a little bit different, it often gets people excited, and you can see that in the yeah. reviews as well. People are getting really excited about it. Yeah. This game is uh, again got a lot, of, and I was just scrolling over the page when uh, when you were we were talking there. There's a lot of stuff in here, like a lot. Um, I gotta imagine this is a pretty costly game to make. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, um, uh, and, and that becomes a challenge, I think, too, right? When you have a game that's that's this robust uh, with components and pieces and so forth. Um, in the development and manufacturing of the game, what are some of the things that you do as a company? You know, obviously you've done 10 games, so you've got, you know, some history behind this. So for people maybe out there that are looking at doing their own games, how do you guys approach this to ensure that you can kind of get this, for lack of a better word, contained and manageable, right? From an execution standpoint, because when you get to the fulfillment stage and the manufacturing stage, it's a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that we do something, you know, special as as a company. I mean, we. I hope that we're doing, you know, uh, stuff as most companies do in the in you know in the background with the production process and everything. So, uh, you know, we we try to uh, when we price a product, for example, we try to stick to that, uh, you know, five x or six x landed costs on the on the on the game. Yeah. But uh, we know that's not possible always. So sometimes, uh, you know. Uh, the game itself, like uh, how how does how does the game look actually? What feelings does does the game uh, give to people when they see it for the first time? That's also important, right? So yeah. uh, I, what I'm trying to say is that you cannot price a game that actually looks like a thirty dollar game. You cannot price it like sixty dollars, right? Uh, so I think that's something that we are thinking about a lot when we price our games and uh, when we work out you know the cost behind the game and everything. So. Uh, we try to find the perfect balance between, you know, a good cost, good quality, and uh, you know, uh, good price for for customers too. So uh, yeah. there's no special thing that thing that we do. We just think about it a lot, and then we just come up with something. And uh, uh, it's different for each for each game, I guess. So yeah, for the listeners out there, when you say the five X, explain that to them. What, what do you mean by that? Um, yeah. So for a game to be, uh, you know, profitable, and for you to have like a the ability to make another print run of a game. You need to have it at least like price it uh, 5x uh, 
at five x call uh let sorry i'm i'm just five times rambling right yep. now. five times more than the actual game costs uh to produce so um uh, some sometimes i get i i've seen a lot of uh you know a lot of talk that sometimes you need to include the freight cost as well in that which is i think it's a good idea actually um so you get you know the uh, the manufacturing cost plus plus the freight cost of the game to get it to a warehouse you know uh, either in the us or eu or whatever yeah. wherever and then you multiply that by five and then you get your price for the game but as i said as i say i don't think it's that simple sometimes you know like uh, sometimes you can go even higher let's say that uh, you know if the product looks like that and if it gives that vibe and if it gives that gameplay and everything if you have like a um you know immersive uh, immersive product let's say so sometimes you can go a bit higher um uh, but uh, sometimes you cannot you know simply put a game that uh, costs very little to produce and and looks at least cheap you cannot yeah. make it you know uh expensive yeah but, part of the uh, challenge i was yeah. gonna say with that yeah. the, the 5x um you know if you're not doing at least 3x you're probably losing money right oh yeah um, you know, and I think sometimes people don't consider that, right? So you have your cost yeah. of the factory and they think, oh, wow, okay, well, that, that's the cost to make the game. Well, you still have to get that into the countries. Yeah. So your container costs, which have gone through the roof over the past several years, that's going to drive yeah. that up. You have import taxes, mm-hmm. that's going to drive up that cost as well. Import yeah. tax going into Europe, for instance, is 20% of MSRP, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it can, all those costs just before, just for it to be physically ready to ship, uh, is significant. Then on top of that, you're looking at at least a $15 per backer acquisition cost uh, in your in your marketing dollars, plus any other kind of licensing deals that you yeah. put in place there, whether using like um, social media amplifiers like backer kit or so forth. So by the time you go through all that, uh, there's not a lot of meat left on the bone, right? Um, unless, yeah. as you're saying, you, you can get those multiples up. And that's why I think that you don't see a lot of lower cost games on Kickstarter that do big numbers, right? Because this the, the economics do not allow people to pump a lot of money into the marketing for those games, yeah. right? So you yeah. probably got to be in around fifty dollars plus in order to make any kind yeah. of uh, um, play on the marketing end uh, to to get to those amplified numbers. So yeah, and I think that's something something really. I mean, that's something that we felt actually as a company. So uh, our previous products, the small Empire series, uh, they're like those those smaller games, like you, you mentioned. Um, uh, we started with around uh, 35 MSRP for the first one, um, and uh, as time time passed from from that game to now, uh, we've raised the MSRP up to 42 dollars. Only because yeah. you know a lot of stuff happening right now, right? Uh, COVID hitting hard, then the shipping, then all these uh, you know things happening in the world, inflation. So. Um, and that's really important also to have in mind, right? So uh, yeah. the, econ- the, the economy in the world. And, um, uh, but I also wanted to add uh, one more thing that uh, maybe sure. people are thinking about this 5X or, you know, the multipliers um, is that if you if you don't want to, to have the game in distribution or, you know, don't want to make another print run, then you can be also fine with a little bit less than that if you, if you want to price sure. your game a little less than that. Uh, and if you just want to do a Kickstarter game and just, you know, fulfill those, uh, fulfill that game to Kickstarter backers and don't, you know, enter distribution or retail, that's totally fine, I guess. Uh, but, you know, be careful with your mask. So if it, you know, 
it, it does pay off at the end, I guess. So. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with doing a small campaign, right? So if there's yeah, anyone sure, out there sure. listening that are saying, hey, I'd love to have a game that I put out there myself someday just because sure. my dream always to create a game. You don't always have to do the large numbers. Like it's okay to do a campaign for like eight thousand, ten thousand um, dollars. You know, it's it just having realistic expectations going in. But you can, you know, that kind of funding can you know pay for the manufacturing, right? So you actually have that physical game ready to go, and you can sell them through Amazon and things like that. Um, as a company, where where you guys go from here? You've you know, this is now it's been ten campaigns. Um, are you, you must be already working on kind of what the next one is, is coming after this one. Can you tease that at all? Or are you able to talk about it? Uh, yeah, well, I cannot talk about it that much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we want to, you know, make a interesting, uh, you know, uh, event around the, you know, launching of that news. Uh, so, uh, what I would say is it's another Euro game with a really mm. cool and really unique action selection system again. Uh, and uh, we're really, really interesting. You know, uh, we, the, the system is really interesting, uh, and we've been working on it for the past few months on it as well. Um, so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna tease anymore. So that would be well, something. Can you tell us when appreciate. you when you're targeting on launching that game? So somewhere between March and May uh, next year, mm. I hope. So we're gonna have some news pretty soon about that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's anybody that wants to check out uh, Pest, I've got a link in the show notes. Uh, simply go there, click on it. It'll take you to the Kickstarter page. Likewise, if you go to Kickstarter and, and just type in Pest, you're going to find the game. Uh, it looks uh, super awesome. You're going to love the graphics. Check it out. Uh, congrats on the video at the front too, because the video is well done as well. Uh, Milan, Thank you very much. I, I want to wish you guys all the best on this campaign. I know that you're going to be happy with where it lands. And I can't wait to see this next project that's coming in the spring. Thank you, James. And thanks again for the invitation. I hope we can talk again for the next project. So that oh, would for be sure. awesome as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you take Thank care. You. Cheers. Thank you. You too. Bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.